your mission if you choose to accept it? Uh, that's Mission Impossible. Is that the wrong podcast? That's, yes. That's... Okay. I'm sorry. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. Thank you, Mr. Bond. Name's Bond. James Bond. Hello, listeners. Of course, this is Bonding Over Bond. Welcome. This is the first spinoff podcast from us, the folks at the Lion Eyes podcast. I'm your co-host for this crazy adventure slash failure slash whatever it's been these last few weeks, uh, Art Leon. I'm half of this bonding duo loaned out by the Lion Eyes podcast. And I am Scott Obermiller, the other half of this podcast. So our plan, so that you understand what's going on, is to release uh, a set of podcasts every Thursday on iTunes. Hopefully, I mean, that's the plan. We hope that it, it comes to fruition. This is our first podcast that you're listening to. It's number one of maybe 24, 25. Let's get through the first one and we'll figure out the rest. That will be very important if we could ever make it through this first one, if that happens. Uh, but as you're saying, every week we'll uh, release couple films and uh we'll get you caught up for specter which is scheduled to be released on the november 6th 6th of november yes be here very soon so we got our uh, tall order our product guarantee folks this is not going to be the normal james bond experience yeah right off the bat uh we're not going to discuss wikipedia or imdb it's going to be um two gentlemen discussing the movie over cocktails and uh, try to get you in and out in about 35 minutes Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And we hope that we do justice to this great series uh, that is James Bond and that we are able to catch everybody up for Spectre and, and just get everyone excited. But most of all, create this community that, that's, that we truly are, you know, bonding to use the pun over over Bond. And so just a little background, like why are we here? Why do we feel that we need to record this? Obviously, uh, myself and Scott, we have bonded over our love of James Bond and watching the films. I think our stories as children of the 80s is quite similar, similar. to a lot of uh, movie viewers who, who grew up in the same generation that we did. I got into James Bond uh, through my father, which I, I think is, is a, a key that you'll see in a lot of stories. Uh, but I also... Really got involved with the films through the TNT marathon, the TBS 15 Days of James Bond um, that I now believe it's on on Spike or Sci-Fi. I'm not even sure where it's at anymore. But it was really, you know, just a unique way of getting involved with a series where I would watch, you know, 30, 40 minutes of a James Bond film and then have to go to sleep. And this is the pre-internet era where mm -hmm. you're looking at a TV guide and you're trying to find out like, oh, when can I catch the other half of GoldenEye because I had to go to bed last night and I wasn't able to, to finish it. So for years, my experience with James Bond was just a cluttered mess of Roger Moore, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 30 minutes there uh, that I was able to see. And I think the first, the first full James Bond I remember seeing is Octopussy, which is a Roger Moore film. How about you, Scott? Uh, similar. Uh, the uh, TNT marathons and the TBS, the 15 Days for Bond, um, where the, is what I remember growing up, and kind of similar. You know, no DVRs back then. You just turn it on. Oh, Bond's on. You know? Absolutely. Watch a little bit of that. I think mine was like The Spy Who Loved Me or something. It was a Roger Moore film. And uh, the first one I really remember, you know, cover to cover, if you will, is uh, Goldfinger which is probably was my favorite movie for the longest time, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how that opinion changes over this experience. So, uh, and you said yours was Octopussy? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And also I, I think a big marking stone of our generation would be Goldeneye on mm -hmm. Nintendo 64. Absolutely. Uh, even people who aren't, weren't watching the films, I know countless times going over to somebody's house and you're just playing rounds and round of, Staying up all night. of Goldeneye, um, you know, having odd jobs so that you turn a corner and everybody has to lower down their gun yep. and you have that advantage or playing the big heads. I so this is, yep. 
I think a lot of people who grew up in the 80s have, this is their introduction into James Bond, and then it just grows into something uh, deeper as you start watching all the films, which is ironically what happened to me. You know, my first real introduction into James Bond is Roger Moore films and Goldeneye, and who are my least two favorite James Bonds, (laughs) Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan, so that it's where you start isn't necessarily where you finish, ladies and gentlemen. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we, you know, get out out of the intro, and of course, there's going to be a lot of times in this podcast where I probably stop and say, this is not going to be in every podcast. This is the first one, so we're kind of working through it. Obviously, we're not going to introduce uh, how we got into James Bond every time we get into a podcast. We're going to spend some time, like, introducing the segments that you're you're going to uh, hear. So there, it's it might be a little, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Longer? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it might be a little longer. That's one way to one way to put it. Before we move forward, though, uh, Scott, what is what is our drink of the day? Excuse me, I was just finishing an olive there. Yeah, a medium dry vodka martini. The only thing we could open the series on. Absolutely, and of course, as it is in Doctor No, our vodka of choice is Smirnoff, and our beer of choice Red Stripe. Hue beer. Red. So no, red. here we go. To our first podcast. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so a little bit of backstory. Dr. No is the sixth Bond novel, the first Bond film. It's made in 1962, and Sean Connery portrays James Bond. Sir Sean Connery, one might even say. The legendary. Mystery Universe? Yes, reigning something him and Arnold Schwarzenegger have in common, reigning Mr. Universe. Totally different body types there. A different era that was very so. And so we're getting to what I think is very unique uh, with our podcast from different uh, either James Bond reviews or podcasts. It's a little segment we're going to call 0030. And what Scott and I are going to attempt to do every podcast is run down the summary of a James Bond film. And it's worth sticking around until we get into some of the crazy Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan plots where it's not even going to be possible to explain it in a, in a 45 minutes. Yeah. Net, uh, needless to say, 30 seconds. Uh, so hopefully it's entertaining. Hopefully it gets to the point of uh, very quickly, was this a realistic or a off-the-wall uh, Bond film? And per uh, a coin flip, Scott is going to go first. This time, so you'll hear a ding. There's going to be a 30 second uh, countdown or 30 second uh, counter, and then uh, the audience you'll hear a buzzer when that 30 seconds is up, and we'll see if we're able to to do it. Can I get get my <coughs> yeah my yeah. radio voice? All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Without further ado, <coughs> a British agent by the name of. Strangways is an on assignment in Jamaica to find out why American rockets from Cape Canaveral are being interfered with. He has gone missing and is presumed dead. James Bond, a distinguished special agent with a taste for debauchery, ports to the scene, meets Dr. No, a member of Spectre, the special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion. Bond, along with the help of a cast of characters, solves the mystery, saves the day, and of course gets the girl. Time. 27 seconds. Wasn't bad. That wasn't bad at all. I have a feeling like if we would do that, I don't know, like sooner, you wouldn't have gotten it. I don't know. Just a hunch. (laughs) Just a hunch. Yeah, this may have been the. I think somebody's been practicing that. Fifth or sixth time I've done it. Okay, so without further ado, we've already we've got one champ. So Scott was able to do his thirty seconds. No pressure. Radio voice. (laughs) <laughs> the low NPR you want the no I hate that <laughs> alright 
No pressure. No pressure. All right, ready? Ready. Strainways, the station chief in Jamaica, is killed. 007 is sent to Jamaica to find out what's up. A mysterious entity is trying to kill him. Bond is spied on, finds out the CIA is investigating too. Gets an awesome sidekick named Coral. Two car chases, seduces a woman trying to kill him. Coral takes Bond to an island. A woman magically appears from the ocean. Coral is killed by a dragon. Bond meets Dr. No. Dr. No is part of Spectre. James kills Dr. No. Bond hooks up with the girl. The end. Yeah, time to spare there. You had I 23 do. seconds. 23. Let's time this, see if I could have done it in seven seconds. This one statement. Okay, hold on. Let me clear. Ready? Go ahead. Bond escapes and sabotages Dr. No's plan to use a nuclear something or other to foil the Mercury space launch from Cape Canaveral. You would have got it. I would have got it yep. in. I was nervous. Like, uh, not, I don't think we need to do the whole thing. So we have two two champs this week in our 00, our 0030. Did we leave anything out, Scott? Do you think... Uh, I'm pretty sure mine did, and yours fills in all the holes. You think so? But yeah, yours is definitely more thorough than mine is. So I, I had the question, and you're the more scientific of the two of us. Um, one might even say that you're you have a an aeronautical uh, understanding of the world. Uh, what, did you understand the 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 atomic nuclear nonsense that Doctor? I kind of missed that on the on the first viewing, and I meant to go back before we recorded the podcast. Um, what what what's Doctor No's master plan? Can you? I don't totally understand how the atomic energy comes into it, but uh-huh. he's uh, toppling is what it's referred to, and M refers yeah. to that. And the what do you know about toppling? James, James knows Bond. a lot about toppling. Yes, he does. <laughs> and uh, he's using some radio beam, radio waves to interfere with the uh, internal navigation system of the rockets and causing them to topple and crash. Okay, and then uh, we we talked about this before the podcast, and I think. A lot of people might be enlightened. I remember watching the scene where they go there; they're going through the showers, mm-hmm. and I, I took note. And I'm like, "This, how realistic is this? Just, you can't just wash you can't radiation just wash off. off radiation." But in fact, I find actually out that- you can. There's different types of radiation: alpha, beta, and gamma. Gamma radiation, which is what everybody seems you know know with Incredible Hulk and all that all nonsense or good stuff, you know, but nonsense in this case. Uh, it's beta radiation. It's particles. Is literally like radioactive dust on your skin so you can wash it off and that's actually how you get rid of it hmm. so yeah it was pretty scientific and on and point specter you want to enlighten because this is important for the new movie that's being released dr no explains to us what does specter mean the special executive for counterintelligence terrorism revenge and extortion absolutely Those, that's the calling card of their evil corporation yeah and then we talked. We also talked about why you said there's a specific reason it had to be Spectre and it couldn't be Sector. Sector? Yes. Mm, now I forgot. What was that? I don't know. This is what happens when you drink too many of those martinis <laughs> yeah, that we have uh, for the for the episode. Uh, so we'll have to look a little more into that on because it is odd. They it's SP for special and then executive for counter. Oh. I remember exactly why. Here you go. It's the, uh, I think it's the, if you say you're part of Sector, who cares? But Specter also means like a evil ghost, like, or you are the, the bane of someone's existence, mm. you, you know, so it has a, it's a double on tone, if you will, or. Fancy. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, you know, you finish watching this Is this 20 film. questions to me? Because I feel like I'm being quizzed here. I, you are being you are being quizzed and graded, okay, young man. Quizzed and graded, and so far you have about a C minus. Just to let you know, um, you know, we, you've watched a film. You're talking with someone, um, and they say, "You know what? I'm not a big Bond fan. Mm-hmm. Why should I watch Doctor No?" How would you respond? Besides slapping them in their face for being, you know, <laughs> just annoying at this point, I would tell them, "You, they have made twenty three 24 films, you know, once Spectre's released, and this is the first of that entire series. Name me a, another franchise with that many films, which I'm sure they're out there, but I would think if they're if you've made 24 films, you also have to respect the original, the one that started it all. So you have to go see the original and see how the franchise started and how it changed over the years. That's what I would tell them. What would you tell them? I would say that very close to what you're saying. This is the film that sets the tone mm. for James Bond. It's the director of the film, Terrence Young. He was specifically chosen. Uh, he had a very great sense of style, a very great sense of uh, 
of what was in in Great Britain at this time and how to make a James Bond very much a man of his times with uh, the, what he was wearing, where he was hanging out, what he was driving, and and also with the humor that dry you know, quippy one-liners that James oh, yeah. Bond has really sets the tone. And this is the, it's the origin. And as, as we're going to discuss a little later, I think this movie is pretty realistic. Like it's a good anchor into the series and some of the lore. Um, and especially going to the newer films, I think there's a deeper appreciation into uh, the Daniel Craig versions of James Bond. If you've seen some of these earlier uh, uh, James Bond, especially uh, Dr. No from Russia uh, and Goldfinger really kind of set some tones there. Do you have to watch the old ones to see the Daniel Craig ones? No. Technically, you can watch any James Bond in, in really any order, which is kind of what was yeah. great about the marathons when we were growing up. But, you know, it I would say it is kind of important to, to start with, with Dr. No. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it makes sense. While watching the film... Is there any point you said, um, I can't believe this is actually going on. I hate this. This is this is horrible. Was there anything that really turned you off about Dr. No? I, I think Besides those freaky hands. <laughs> that didn't bother me. Uh, the uh, I didn't like some of the songs that were in there, and I didn't like Felix Leiter's let me, sunglasses. Let me, let, me, let me stop you there. Yep. If you met someone that had two Dr. No hands, how would you approach like shaking their hand? <laughs> would you just like gently just like... I'll give him just a like salute. grab the finger, and or would you like? Would hey. you just give it a full? I'm gonna, I'm gonna shake your hand, and potentially you just crush them to death with your weird metal. I would hope if you had those metal hands, you would be used to not crushing people's hands mm. with them. I, I would shake his hand. Probably. You would? Yeah. Okay. If he looked like he wasn't an evil, uh, a member of an evil corporation, I would yeah. shake his hand. Okay. So that's the key, folks. Is before you shake look someone's legit. hand, look legit. Look, look legit. Peaceful. Make sure they're not part of Spectre. Yes. Actually, yeah. Make sure they're wearing they're not wearing a ring with an octopus on it. Yeah, octopus rings, no good. But then again, he's not going to wear a ring on that, on those hands. You know what I hated about this film? Yeah, what did you hate? The Almost the entire island sequence before they meet mm-hmm. Dr. No. Um, did you know, Scott, this is actually one of the shorter James Bond films in the I entire series? I did know series. that. I would have lost a lot of money if someone had bet me before I looked this up. I always felt Dr. No was actually the longest of the James Bond films. And it's, I really think, that 30 minutes where Coral takes him to the island finally is like, I'll go on this adventure with you. And then Honey Rider pops out of the ocean and it's just, they start singing together. He's wearing the horrible blue. It just slows the movie down. And then you've got to rush this action sequence with Dr. No. And that's just... That is true. It, 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 just, it's, it annoyed me. And it, it just took you out of the film that they had been building up, you know, the, with these great set pieces, and they're going out to Jamaica. So that to me, to me was really, really annoying. It is a little rushed at the end. Yeah. So you would have been happy this was like a forty-five minute movie. No, I'm not saying that. Um, you just think the tempo could have been better. They, they could have done everything they did in thirty minutes. They could have probably done in like a chase montage, you know, almost. And then we could have spent more time with Doctor No. Mm-hmm. Or or having more of that that action, sequence. Very... for example, explaining why when James goes to find Honey Rider, why is she tied up in some weird torture chamber that she's slowly supposed to be drowning in? Like, how random is that? You know, we could have there could have been some more tension there where the camera's cutting to her and the water slowly rising. And... They could have used crabs or something. Like crabs are going to attack her. They could have if only they would have thought of that. They did, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, it just uh, crabs were the slowest. Uh, they were frozen too. They're like um, thawing antagonist that they could have. They they found they didn't feel that there was enough tension in those scenes, so they end up being cut, which explains what I'm complaining about. All right, so here's our kind of our second, I would say, second of three staple segments that we're going to have in our podcast: the distinguished debauchery of 007. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard, but it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. Then you'll also know that in poker you never play your hand. You play the man across from you. By the cut of his suit you went to Oxford or wherever. 
naturally think human beings dress like that. But you were, it was such disdain. Since MI6 looks for maladjusted young men, I give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect queen and country. Beautiful. Every now and then a trigger has to be pulled. Or not pulled. It's hard to know which in your pajamas. Q. 007. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so this is this is like the second of three of our staples that we're going to have on, on the podcast, the, th- the three like staple segments that we're having. Yeah, in our humble opinion, James Bond lives a life of distinguished debauchery. I think it's important to break it down by freedictionary.com or Merriam-Webster's opinion, you know, as a definition. So Copyright 2015. Cop- exactly. <laughs> distinguished, characterized by excellence or distinction, imminent. Two. Dignified in conduct or appearance. Would you not agree that James Bond is distinguished? I do agree with that. Would you also agree of the definition of debauchery and whether or not it applies to James Bond? One, excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. Two, excessive indulgence of the appetites, especially excessive indulgence of lust, intemperance, sensuality, habitual lewdness i agree a lot with that second definition and i think if you if there was a scale between distinguished and debauchery james leads a life that's a little more on the debauchery side Mm -hmm. of of the two would i say to my son son james bond is a role model and we should all live our lives to be james bond no because he's a ruthless killer that has some questionable actions with women and he's a borderline drunk so does he have some good qualities sure does he have some does he maybe indulge a little too much much. Uh, maybe and that's the dynamic there's with for every good there's a bad and i think sometimes it's unfair because people almost idolize james bond Mm -hmm. too much and i think you have to take a step back and be like let's look at the whole uh of james and i think that's one one of the great things the new films have been doing is really looking at James as a whole person and explaining, you know, why is he so broken? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side is even at the height of it, the worst sexism that the Bond series brings in, it's not the the totalness of James Bond. The, the, the whole is truly greater than a sum of the parts with James. And I think that's important to remember. So it's it's frustrating sometimes when people will say, you know, I've never seen a James Bond film, but I know he's, he's he just sleeps around with women and, and he treats them horribly. That maybe he did in a few films that, that it was cringeworthy, mm-hmm. but in the course of 23 films, there's been some great strong female characters. Yep. Uh, so you have to take the two. I think those are great points. Yeah. And uh, I think my wife would agree with you, having not seen the series... And had that original imp- um, impression of the series. She watched From Russia Will Love With Me. And she was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. You want to watch Goldfinger tomorrow? Like, yeah. Absolutely. And we'll next week will be... Both actually, actually, might even be released now. So go ahead and check iTunes and download all three of those yeah. podcasts. Um, so again, you know, we talked in the beginning. The podcast kind of running long. Because again, we're explain- like, we're not going to talk about Distinguished Debauchery this much every yep. time. Uh, we but we gotta we want to set the tone for number one. Uh, so again, please bear with us. You know, don't be turned off and and you know just run away from from the series. Thank you for your patience. And if you need to pause the podcast, go pour yourself a martini, find a relaxing chair, and, and press play again. Good points. Martinis rank on the scale of zero to five olives. Okay, so the overlord has spoken. I'm gonna rank this section and martinis. To be, to be clear again, and we, we have to kind of explain a little too much, this is where we talk about the drinking part of James's distinguished debauchery. Um, I gave James in this film four olives. I gave him two. Okay. I, I didn't think he drank excessive in this movie at all. So, so we do know he has, let's go over this together. Um, he has two martinis. He has a rum drink. He has a vodka on the rocks. He has a Dom Perignon 55. 
Um, he has a red stripe. We don't see him drink it, but it's it's kind of there. Um, the red wine, and he pours two shots and doesn't drink it. I don't think those count. They don't. Um, which those is weird. Setup. It's a weird. And we've discussed about this. You pour the shots. Why not? Drink a little bit, drink. you know, make it look, or just pour yeah, exactly. like a little bit to make it look. Yeah. Um, and then also, um, my my the reason so I give him four point five. It's he's he's drinking a lot. I think throughout uh, throughout the film. And then there's one key scene for me that kind of clinches it. They're at dinner with Doctor No. The henchman takes Honey Rider. James stands up to to defend and stop the henchman. Goes to he grabs the bottle of Dom Perignon, goes to smash it so he has a weapon and he can you know very British spy like stab the henchman and make sure Honey Rider's not taken to some mysterious place. And Doctor No says, "I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's a Dom Perignon 55." And true. James James says, oh, "I prefer the 53," but puts it back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, buddy, that should be a sign that you have a problem when you're trying to save this this woman. That has been hanging out with you for the last, you know, eight hours of the movie, and you're like that eight-hour commitment. Whoo! I gotta save this bottle. This is a sweet bottle. But he doesn't drink it. I guess I see. You your, see my point. I see your point. I can make a weapon. As soon out of as I this. came out of my mouth, I was like, yeah, "That's his right. point right there." Right. And then also in the film, it's not really an alcoholic drink, but they do have those two coffees from Doctor No, where uh, Doctor No kind of, you know, like he Bill Cosby's them. Essentially, is what happens there i don't is it too soon it's too soon can we bill cosby it's a little uncomfortable can we use it as a verb can we just say like when someone is date raped can we just say hey you were cosby what's he up to 42 now it's uh there's more women who have been uh bill cosby than james James bond Bond movies Yeah. yeah 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 so i think if we want to talk about who's a real sexist bill cosby i never understood why dr no had to uh had to Cosby them. I know, that made no sense. I mean, they were exhausted. They would have slept fine on their own. Yep. And then, I mean, you know, it is 1962. There is still the movie code. Maybe we don't see what happens. Um, you know, Cosby did teach us that stuff happened in the 60s that we don't get to talk about till 2015. So James may be going through some stuff. We're not sure here. Is it wrong? Are we, should we not make jokes about this? I think it's okay. Okay. It, it's a little uncomfortable and has nothing to do with the subject matter, but it's interesting to talk about. You know, I, I think it's powerful to use Bill Cosby's uh, name as a, a negative verb and really bring some resonance to, to what he's done. The only point I wanted to bring up on that. Are we denying the ding? Yes, we're denying okay. the ding for one second. Okay. In the overtime categories. You bring up all the drinks that he drinks. What is the length of time he's in Jamaica? He's there a couple days. At least two. At least two days. Three, uh, because they sleep overnight at the island. So, when you break that down, he's had three drinks a day, which is on the higher side. You know, I mean, he's supposed to be working. For a British spy? Yeah. But, you know, it's not like he was just... We got two dings now. Okay. Casino Royale. Rank from lowest poker hand to highest. All right, so Casino Royale is when we talk about the gambling in the film. I personally give this film one pair, which is the lowest poker hand you can have. I'll give it three of a kind. Okay. I mean, they play some solid games. Uh, they play the bridge in the opening scene where we meet Strangways and Dent and uh, the two other gentlemen. And then they play uh, Chem de Fer. Uh, Baccarat when uh, we meet Sylvia Trench and James Bond for the first time. And what does Chem de Fer stand for? Uh, it stands for the Iron Road. So the whole point of that game is you're trying to get closest to nine. My point is, beside the opening sequence, which none of us, we haven't stated yet, one of the greatest introductions to a movie character in all of movie history. Agreed. Except for that opening sequence, there's no real gambling in this film. Unlike some James Bond films that are very quickly about to be reviewed. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I gave it such a low. I think you're setting a really high bar to give it one pair, personally. We'll see. We'll Looking see at the upcoming, upcoming movies. Yeah. I would I think even just going up to two pair or three of a kind. 
Turnbull and Asser. Rank from zero to five cufflinks. All right. So, and this is, of course, Turnbull and Asser is the very famous uh, tailor that has been the official tailor of James Bond. This is an actual uh, clothing, tailor clothing uh, store in London. You could go there today. And We're going to go there. A, get a suit, a very well-fitted suit uh, for yourself. I give this movie 2.5 cufflinks. And the reason why, it starts off great. We got James in a wonderful tuxedo, and then he switches to a great uh, fitted, uh, is it the gray suit? And then he has a few more suits that, that he wears throughout the movie. And then as the movie progresses, his suits just get worse and worse until we end up with him and that blue polo capri pants. That kills it. That's the worst part about the entire, the entire uh, wardrobe he wears the entire movie. And like the tux, you know, obviously is spot on. And a couple of gray suits that are solid with a baby blue uh, undershirt and tie. But uh, the baby blue jumper suit that he has, the polo shirt and the capri pants, that just kills it for me. And then, the, you know, the Dr. No suit there at the end, the Asian attire is fine. You know, yeah, there was a, meets that was the nice. scene. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go three. That's my number. Aston Martin, rank from one to 500 horsepower. So, of course, that is the stereotypical car that the James Bond series is known for. However, in Dr. No, James drives the Sunbeam Alpine Series 2. Um, And so I feel like it's a nice British convertible. I'm going to give it about 250 horsepower right down the middle. I'm going to give it five horsepower Mm -hmm. off the scale, below the scale. I hate this car with a passion. Like your push lawnmower has more horsepowers. Than, than this car. So I will say, in its defense, uh, this is the car that broke land speed records. Um, the reason they used this car is because they borrowed it from a local resident, as it was the only suitable sports car available on the island of Jamaica when they were filming this film. However, again, this is a land speed breaking car. Doesn't look it. That the British, they used, it raced against Lamborghini, Ferrari, um, Porsche or Porsche, depending on how you pronounce that, um, you know, the American Corvette. So this is it's not a slouch. It's not a slouch British car. Shitty blue car with the right side drive. Those are your notes. Those are my notes. Okay. Q Branch, rank from zero to five Qs. So Q Branch is a staple in every one of these Bond movies. And we would be remiss if we didn't rank how Q Branch is represented in Dr. No. On a scale of 0 to 5 Qs. My personal opinion is it is a 1. Maybe even 0. Because, first of all, they're not even even referred to as Q Branch. They're referred to as Armor. Uh, But in the spirit of Q Branch, Q Branch is in this movie. Uh, Where we see Major Boothroyd uh, take the Beretta from James Bond and replace it with his Walther PPK. Um, so for that, I give him a one. I also give it a one Q. There's no fancy gadgets. There's nothing special. It's just simply a gun. A gun's really the only thing he gets. And I do think Q Branch is in it. And although uh, he will be played by a different character for many movies uh, coming up, I do think Q, the character, does make an appearance in this film. And I've made that argument before. So we agree, finally, yeah. on one License to Kill, rank from 0 to 7 rounds. This is what the 007 stands for. The 00 is the agents in MI6 who have the, quote, license to kill. Uh, They're allowed to kill as they see needed. Uh, Ranking it 0 to 7, 7 being the uh, rounds that you can put in a Walter PPK, I give it a 7. Full clip. My reason why is I think it has, and this is a killing that sets the tone for the series. It's a, a pretty cold-blooded killing of Professor Dent when he he walks in and and James just toys with him, kills him, doesn't blink an eye, and then also when the henchman at the beginning of the film, great car sequence. We didn't even talk about that. I think we might. Uh, I think later in another segment uh, we'll bring that up. But one of my favorite car chases in all of film oh, yeah. uh, is that first when he they first arrive in Jamaica yeah, I thought Mr. it was very Jones. well done and the guy bites the cigarette James just throws him in the back of the car 
strolls to the hotel and he's like, make sure this guy doesn't go anywhere and just strolls right into the hotel. Uh, so you can tell that he has seen things in his life and murder doesn't bother him. Murdering doesn't bother him. And he's just very quick, very quick at the kill. I, I'm going to agree with you in a lot of it, but I'm going to go ahead and step it down quite a few notches to, I'm going to go three and a half rounds. I'm on the fence. It could either be three or four rounds. You made some valid points. I definitely don't think that the murder of Dent is cold-blooded and without reason. Don't forget, 30 seconds before he gets killed, he was trying to kill James Bond. Mm -hmm. So he was... That was where he needed to use his 007 powers and and take him... Kill him. Okay. The ding ding has been speaking. Finally, the quote, Bond girls, end quote, rank from... Zero to five suffragettes. All right, our final section of distinguished debauchery and maybe our more controversial. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, the Bond girls uh, three suffragettes, and by that I mean uh, so five. Can you define suffragettes for me? Yeah, they're very famous. The right for women to vote. That was the nickname given to the. British women who were revolting in London to get that right. They kind of set the tone and then it traveled here to the United States. So that's where um, that's this section gets their, their punny rank name from. And so zero would be James is a perfect gentleman. Uh, five would be this, the suffragettes would be very upset and at his door uh, demanding some better treatment. So I'm giving it a three and my reasons why Honey Rider is a almost a pointless uh, Bond girl in the sense that she doesn't do anything, she doesn't contribute, uh, she doesn't really help in any sense. She's just there to come out of the ocean and look beautiful. What's your name? Ryder. Ryder what? Honey Ryder. What's so funny about it? Nothing. It's a very pretty name. Great scene, though. Of course. And then the thing that really upset me the most is Miss Tarot, who's one of two actresses to actually use her own voice in the film that it wasn't overdubbed. Uh, she has one mission. Her mission is to make sure James stays in the house so that Professor Dent can show up and kill him. And she uses the... She uses the honeypot. She uses the honeypot to keep him there. And then James, very smartly as a spy, says, uh, oh, let's let's go out somewhere. And... She has to have a car. How do we know this? She lives up a mountain. She lives up the effing mountain. And she's just like, oh, yeah, uh, sure, I'll let you call a taxi. And then James calls a taxi, and then she goes in first. Like, you're the worst spy, Miss Tarot. You're horrible. You're an embarrassment. You set women spies back like 20 years by how bad you were. Maybe they were just being responsible and paying for a designated driver. I mean, you have to... (laughs) Consider that, right? Yeah, because that was popular in 62. Driving around drunk at that time. Maybe they were drinking a lot, and that's why her uh, her ability to do her job, it was impaired, one might, one might say. Um, the only saving grace of this film to me is Sylvia Trench. Absolutely agree. Played by Eunice Gason, um, which, you know, it's kind of sad... I, I have I've kind of like cheated and I'll I'll say that and watching from Russia with love it's kind of sad to be like you know it's it's a shame that that wasn't a longer running gag mm-hmm. is you know James with his pseudo girlfriend Sylvia Trench like every time they're about to get something good going on he's called away on a mission I thought they had great chemistry together as actors mm-hmm. um, I thought they worked well I thought it was a good premise um, she's obviously as we see at the beginning of the film. She's she's an independent woman. Absolutely. She's got some job that she's high rolling gambling. Uh, she went and came on her own. She didn't need a man to take her there. Uh, plays great. A very powerful character for 1962. Uh, so for everyone, the detractors of the James Bond series that says there's no great female characters, I will point in the first one to uh, Sylvia Trench and, of course, Miss Moneypenny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sylvia Trench looks great. Uh, and I mean this in like a positive way, not like in a, a sex way. She looks, she looks amazing wearing the high heels and the pajama shirt in a provocative way. You know, putting. You know, I thought that was 
also a powerful role, you know, mm-hmm. like she's taking control of the situation mm-hmm. in the Sylvia Trench way that she does. Absolutely. Uh, you never, you never give it a ranking two. that I missed two. Okay. Uh, do you want any detail on that? Or is there a ding? I think there is, there might be. I think you hit at all the points that I was going to make. So, I mean, Thank there's the only other one that I want to point out is the girl at the front desk in the blue dress. Giving James Bond the eyes. I think uh, she was a henchman for Doctor No. You you say those were like some fuck me eyes, and I think those were like... She gave him the up and down eyes, like from heels to the back of his head. She was giving him the eyes. She's trying to see if he's carrying a concealed weapon in the island of Jamaica, which... Good thing he has a great suit at Turnbull and uh, Azur. Yes, that they, uh, they conceal mm-hmm. they conceal the weapon for him. Welcome to Bonding Over Bond, running rankings. All right, and now we're moving on to our third of three segments that you'll see in every podcast, as the Omnius Voice has already said. This is our running rankings, in which we're going to rank uh, several categories that I'm sure the Voice will tell us about, and every film will continue. So right now, obviously... It's kind of difficult. So what we're going to do is we're going to rank where we speculate the Dr. No, uh, where the rankings would be uh, when the series is all over. And then as we move on, you know, you will be able to say like this is out of the four movies we've talked about um, and then kind of place them. We're going to place them in thirds because uh, I don't do math well, but Scott does. And he's informed me that if you take 24, you can divide it very cleanly into thirds. Uh, so in each of these rankings, we're gonna, it's either going to be in that first, that top third, that middle, or obviously at the bottom. And then we're going to have some strong opinions about uh, some of these. So please, please voice, tell us what our first ranking is. Cars. Thank you. Thank you. So Scott's already hinted at this, so I'll, I'll go first and get I it out of the it. way. Um, I, th- I think the car is going to fall off. Like uh, right now, we have to rank it one because it's the only film, you know, theoretically. Uh, but to project where I think it's going to go, uh, it, it will fall. But I do predict it'll stay in the first third, which is to say the top eight cars. And obviously, Scott. The bottom third all day long. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay, voice, what's next? Main movie song. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I think this song's going to be uh, 24. It would be 25th if that was even possible because we've gone back and forth and argued what is even the song of Dr. No. I think it's... Is it Three Blind Mice, which they play in the opening sequence, or... They also play Underneath the Mango Tree in the opening sequence. Either way... They both suck. They would be tied for 24th, uh, would be... And then there is a counter-argument. I hear you out there. I can hear you yelling already. You're listening to this, and you're saying, no, the theme song for Dr. No is the James Bond theme song. We're disqualifying that because the James Bond theme song is technically played in every James Bond film, and obviously the James Bond theme song will be better than one, okay? It's one of the great theme songs in all of uh, movie history. So calm down. Uh, Don't get your panties in a bunch. Settle. Continue listening. We're not yelling at you. We still appreciate you. That's fine. Just... Listen, we're, you want to you send us an email, we'll address it. Okay, settle down. Next, opening sequence. I, I predict the middle. Um, it, it's it's weird, and we've talked about this countless times. It's it's very jarring. That first half is good. It's a James Bond theme song, and it's the cool, you know, like it it, go, it goes off of the the gun barrel sequence, and then you have the the bouncy ball kind of, you know, nineteen sixties moving around. And then it goes into the traditional, um, you know, women's silhouettes and it's with three blind mice and it just it spirals out of control. Um, so I'm going to say that the opening sequence uh, is going to be in the middle, like just not horrible, but not great. I'm going to argue that it's going to be in the top eight for historical purposes, mm-hmm. just because it started it all. It was, you know, came up with the idea of looking down the barrel of a gun. I'm okay. sure it wasn't James. It wasn't Sean Connery, but that's right. Uh, the, uh, for the first two movies, that's not even Sean Connery that's acting. You can tell because Sean Connery's a Mister Universe, <laughs> and he knows that if he has to pivot to shoot somebody, Night. you don't jump up first. That's how you get shot. That that's kind of annoying. So this is not Mike Tyson's punch out, right? <laughs> All right. The villain. Missiles are only the first step to prove our power. Our power. With your disregard for human life, you must be working for the East. East, West, just points of the compass, each as stupid as the other. 
I'm a member of Spectre. Spectre? Spectre. Special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, extortion. The four great cornerstones of power, headed by the greatest brains in the world. Correction. Criminal brains. The successful criminal brain is always superior. It has to be. I'm going to argue that the uh, villain of Dr. No is in the top eight all day long. And I'm going to go as far as to say the top five. He set the tone. He's very sophisticated, dry, and evil through every bone in his body. So I'm going to say top eight. What do you say, good sir? I, I'd say definitely in the top ten is where I have. I'm curious to see who you're going to put ahead of him. Uh, I think I could rattle off. Do you want to try it now? No, because I don't want to bore the listeners. But I'm pretty confident. Top ten. I'm going to say top ten. And okay. I think I think I have a list of nine already. Okay. The actor's portrayal is Bond. James Bond. I don't know about you, but the, for me, this is... Sean Connery is... When we look at the James Bond actors that have uh, portrayed James Bond, he is easily in the top two for me. It's Sir. going to be a coin flip. Sir between Sean Connery. Sir Sean Connery, exactly. I mean, especially the early films. I'm going to say the first three films, because I'm not... I'm on the fence about Thunderball, the fourth film. So he's going to be the top two for me. How about you? I'm going to say there's no argument that Sean Connery is either one or two. I think there's a fair argument on who's one or who's two. Little spoiler alert, Roger Moore is not the other person. (laughs) Spoiler alert, Pierce Brosnan is not that person. For you. For me. So, and this is, the listeners got to stay on is it is Timothy Dalton the other person for me, mm-hmm. or is Daniel Craig the other person? So for we're just gonna where you gotta gonna rule out Lazenby just like that. The guy does one out of twenty four films. You're just gonna throw him out. Don't insult our listeners by even thinking either of us would put him one or two. I've heard some good arguments for three, but they're not hosting this podcast. You know the depth of. Am the, I gonna make an material. argument that he's not the worst Bond? Yes. I agree. I'll let you know. I'll let you in on that little secret. It's going to be tough. He has one data point, and all the others have multiple. Except, you know, Timothy Dalton has two data points. Right. And Roger Moore has like 55. A bajillion. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan has quite four? Four. Only yeah. four. So, But three of them were so bad, it felt like you were watching. But one was so films. good. Made a video game. A very good video game. Rank the overall movie. Because I want you to hit a specific topic of okay. it. Okay. Okay. Please rank the movie in, in the top, bottom, or middle third. And explain to me your feelings on the realism of the movie. Do you, do you feel it was a real or a cartoony movie? I'm going to have Dr. No. Again, I'm going to use this top 10 benchmark. It's either going to be in the top third or the very top of the middle third. I predict that's where it's going to be. And I actually think Dr. No is going to be one of the more realistic James Bonds and the whole series. I do think it's a very realistic movie. Um, Again, we talked about the fact that the weapons and the gadgets weren't uh, over realistic. Even the, the villain and his, his plot seemed reasonable, especially in 1963 and excuse me, 62. And I think it's a, it's poignant um, that in 1962, it's, this is, you know, not even a year removed from John F. Kennedy saying, we're going to put a man on the moon. So this is a big deal to society. It's like, oh, Dr. No is going to interfere with our mission of trying to like reach the space. That's a great point. Uh, I never and, thought of it that way. And, and so it's it's a poignant mm-hmm. thing that he's trying to do. It's not some over-the-top, like, oh, I'm interested in you know like controlling the moon, mm-hmm. which, what? That's going to be a plot later, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Um you know, so I, I, I thought I thought it was it was on point. I believed it. Um, even as as horrible as some of the female characters, do I believe that Honey Rider would actually be out in the island looking for for shells? Yes. Do I think she needs to take an economics course and understand you know overhead and the fact that yeah you can make fifty dollars selling the shell in Miami, but it's gonna cost you some money to get from Jamaica to Miami back to Jamaica back to Miami. So. She I had know, she five was, shells, yeah. you know. She was doing that math she was a little hopefully. slowly. Hopefully, 
Um, so I mean, is that is that it? Are we? No, I think you you're spot on. And I never thought about that. Like in 1962, 63, after Kennedy had just announced that, and you have a guy, a part of an evil corporation, say, "We're going to interfere right. with the United." States. That's that solidifies a bad guy in the eyes. If I'm a U.S. citizen, which I am, so I'm going to say uh, top eight. Okay, I, just you know, I I. I like the movie in the top eight, and also the realism factor. I thought was he had a gun. That was that was his special gadget. Right. He had a gun and went and solved it. and some charisma. And yeah, he does have some charisma. Yeah, and some uh, chest hair. Hooray quite, for chest hair! Quite quite a lot of chest hair. That's right. Okay, so I think that that kind of does it for us. Thanks for having the patience and sticking around through this. We made it. One. We we all made it. Uh, let me let me get shorter from here. Um, this has kind of been. Uh, a Don Quixote for those familiar with uh, everybody who's ever tried to make the film Don Quixote how horrible that's gone uh, this is this has taken us some great effort to get to this get to this point so we hope you you've enjoyed it um, if we're going to tell you right now if you go to iTunes there's probably about two other podcasts we've uploaded at the same time so you can get a better sense of how the series is going to sound and go uh, once everybody's familiar with with uh, um, the, the format and the format, yep, and everything, stick around. You know, please, can't thank you enough. Um, next time, we're going to be covering a classic film, not just in the James Bond series, but in the entire series, which is from Russia to Love. And as I've said several times, you're probably going to be able to find Goldfinger there, which is going to be a great argument on which is the better Bond, mm-hmm. because a lot of people will say that Goldfinger or From Russia to Love, might be the best Bond of all. So we're looking forward to that. Get ready for some uh, heated arguments for that. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. And uh, remember to download us on iTunes and uh, tell every one of the uh, Bond fans that you know. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bonding Over Bond and like us on Bonding Over Bond on our Facebook page. Let us know what you think, what you want more of, less of, any questions or topics you want covered. Uh, talk to us. Send us an email at bondingoverbond at gmail.com. And of course, head to our website, www.freerevolt.blogspot.com. Click on the Bonding Over Bond tab for more content, trivia, inside information, and pictures of us in our makeshift studios. Yeah, two dudes hanging out in the, uh, in the basement. Bonding. Bonding over bond. Hey, Arturo. Yeah. I want you to remember. Mm-hmm. You know that guy, Sean Connery? Yeah. He is literally a knight. Yes, he is. Oh, by the way, and Mystery Universe. Yeah. He's such a knight that he was King Arthur once. <laughs> sir Sean Connery. Over to you, sir, for uh, some final thoughts. First of all, Scott, I want to say thank you. Uh, it's been fun. I look forward to however many more we do. Thank you for the fans and for the folks at home. Thank you for bonding with us here at Bonding Over Bond. Thank you. Until next time, shake it. Don't start. Sky me, honey, and I can make fairy land. Mango, banana, and tangerine. Sugar, anaki, and cocoa bean. When we get married, we make them grow a nine little child in a row. Uh, sorry. Let's do it. Let's do it right. That was. <laughs>